welcome back to Truck Talk, everyone. We've got a new show again this week. Pretty excited. We're going to take a little different look at autonomy today through the eyes of Enride, a company some of you have heard of, others perhaps not, but we're going to be with Nicholas Rindahl in a little bit. Just a few headlines to go through first. The clock is ticking over it too simple towards a delisting from the NASDAQ. Of course, we reported on that earlier this week. Um, they've got essentially 15 days from last Friday to uh, to get their uh, appeal heard. And if they do get the appeal heard, then maybe they get an extension. Otherwise, their listing will disappear from the NASDAQ. They're not the only one in this position. You've got Morristown Motors, you've got Nikola and others that are dangerously close to the situation too. I would say now that uh, Cummins is back in the news. Uh, they continue to rename pieces of their business. Now it is Atmos, which is the former filtration business. They have uh, uh, started the IPO process for that. They're going to sell about oh fourteen percent or fourteen million shares in Atmos um, on the uh, on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, they're going to keep that is Cummins is going to keep about eighty three percent of the business. But what's going to happen is that there will be some available for the public, and then ultimately um, there will be two new uh, names at Cummins, the other being Acelera by Cummins, which is the uh, former new power business. They named that one in March. This one actually was named in February, but I missed it, and so did most people. So watch for Atmos coming down the road. And then finally this week, we see that Volvo has um, come up with a way for first responders to electric vehicle accidents to really get a look at, literally, as you can see from the picture, a look at what the truck looks like under the skin and where the issues might be. This is pretty exciting technology because it gets to uh, augmented reality um, for the Volvo uh, vehicle. So uh, kind of a first there. Okay, so we said we had something a little different this week, and we do. I want to um, talk to Nicholas Rydahl. We'll bring him in here. Nicholas, welcome to the show. Good to see you again, Alan. Thanks for having us. You bet. Thanks for being here. You know, it is really interesting um, that with Enride, uh, you know, some of the audience has heard of them, I think. Some maybe not. Um, your approach is very different uh, to most of the companies that we cover in the autonomous space, although I think you would tell us that it is, in fact, autonomy, but just with a little bit different twist. What I wanted to do, though, was kind of get started. Maybe you could spend a moment and tell us about Enride, um, you know, where it came from and kind of the overall go-to-market strategy that you have. Uh, absolutely. Good to see you, everyone. Uh, Niklas, been with Enride now for five out of our six years. I think we were 20 people when I joined and we're sort of uh, approaching 600 people now. So um, Enride is really a, a freight mobility tech company. Uh, and uh, we're firm believers that there is such good technology available now to improve the conditions for customers, operators, and society at large by leveraging digital technologies, electric capabilities, and autonomous capabilities. And sometimes if you're sort of a shipper uh, and you read about this technology, you want to figure out in terms of, hey, how do I engage? How do I leverage this? Uh, how do I get up and running with this technology? So what we do is that our business model, we call it freight mobility as a service. So we bundle software, vehicles, charging equipment, um, and an ecosystem to really provide a turnkey solution for our customers to go 
uh, digital, electric, and also autonomous. Um, so excited to talk more about Denrite today. Sure. So Nicholas, let's start with let's start with teleoperations. This is the area that is different. You're really the only ones doing this. There was a company called Starsky Robotics went out tried to do this uh, one under a couple of years ago, maybe longer now. Um, I think best I can tell you're the only ones who are really doing teleoperations. Why don't you explain what that is and why it's the solution among your solutions that makes the most sense? Teleop is part of sort of a, really how we go to market. And in fact, I'm, I'm dialing in from one of our offices in Sweden today. And if you look over my shoulder on, 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 on this side, you, you would actually be able to, to, to see one of our teleop stations, um, was the other side, sorry, the, the mirror effect here. Um, and what, what we do is that we, we try to control the environment where we deploy our autonomous technology. Uh, in that way, we don't have to sort of boil the ocean in terms of capabilities, but we deploy our autonomous freight service uh, in a setting where we can very much sort of control it, reduce the complexity, and in that way, provide real value today for our customers. Uh, and keeping a human in the loop, not inside of the vehicle, but remotely available to be able to overview the operations and if needed, supervise the vehicle. We believe that's a good way in terms of solving for um, complexities that we haven't anticipated for, uh, and we don't need to automate all of it but we can sort of engage with that to make sure that we're operationally up and running and providing value. We've, we've been um, on the road now since 2019. Um, that's the first time we operated on public road uh, in Sweden or in Europe. Um, and we also had uh, permission to operate on public road in the US since October last year and uh, quite busy deploying this technology together with one of our customers, General Electric Appliances. But it's really aiming so, to, to and providing a good service. Yeah. So we'll talk about GE in just a moment. I'm curious, though, you've got truly, you know, we talk about driverless trucks. You've got a cabless truck. So there's another layers that are for a driver. And there's no cab, you know, and, and the technology is very futuristic uh, looking. I mean, you know, if you saw one coming down the road, you probably would wonder what it was and whether it was something out of a movie, uh, a movie set. Uh, you know, you still have the, the future down there pretty good. I guess what I'm wondering, though, is whether this is the future look of autonomous or whether you guys are an outlier. I guess that's the question I would have. Yeah, I mean, the reason we actually choose to remove the driver from the get-go is that we really, we really wanted to solve for the difficult things of sort of having the vehicle ready for autonomous at scale. Uh, and in order to do that, you really need to make sure that you have safe and redundant systems for steering, braking, power redundancy, etc. cetera. Uh, and we wanna make sure that we're able to develop that architecture in a way that we can scale it. And uh, if you keep a sort of remote operator inside of the vehicle, you're always gonna have that as a fallback. We wanted to sort of take away that safety aspect if you so want and really solve for the technical architecture to go autonomous uh, at scale. Uh, and part of sort of that is, as you can see here, the view from the remote supervisor operator, uh, you're actually looking at a, a picture now from the border bridge between Sweden and Norway, 
where we were part of a European Union sponsored program called the Modi Project. Um, and we're the sole tech provider when it comes to autonomous capabilities on moving goods on our roads in a more sustainable and efficient and safe manner. So I guess the question then becomes, uh, once we've got the, the vehicles out there, um, you know, you had mentioned, and I'm going to skip around a little bit because you had mentioned one of the things that you thought this addressed is the whole driver shortage thing. And I, I want you to explain that because my sense of driver shortage has always been that it's mostly in long haul trucking. You're not really addressing that right now. Now, maybe that's in the plan down the road, but it seems that if you are putting potential drivers or former drivers behind these screens to teleoperate vehicles, that it would possibly even add to the shortage. Am I getting my math wrong there? I mean, there are two ways of looking at driver shortages, I think. I mean, first of all, I just want to express the utmost respect for owner operators and truck drivers today. It's uh, it's a vital part of, you know, providing goods and services to our society. And uh, we're engaged with the sort of driver unions um, in Sweden and have them provide feedback on the remote operating workplace. How is that from ergonomics, comfort, the cognitive sort of experience of of supervising a vehicle like this from from a remote sort of standpoint? Um, but but I mean, one way of looking at it is that there is a shortage. Another way of looking at it is that the freight industry as a whole is a highly underutilized business today. Uh, I mean, if you look at the overall utilization of all trucks running out there on our streets, the overall utilization is pretty low. I mean, empty returns, uh, less than full truck loads, um, sub-optimized routings, um, shift format in terms of how you can operate, idling time, waiting time. If you add all of that up, I mean, we're looking at some, you know, 15 to 25% overall utilization. Um, so we believe that there are good ways of having a more efficient freight system today. And that's really where Android also comes in with our digital and electric freight services. So um, we tend to look at this as a overall system efficiency that we want to be able to provide a more intelligent freight service today. And the remote availability or opportunity to operate the truck is a piece of that sort of architecture in terms of how to provide you know, a better road freight service. Um, you, you've mentioned uh, a turnkey approach, really. You you talk about, you know, uh, automated freight as a service, I think is the term you used. But this turnkey approach, and I think it's important that we understand where your digital piece comes in. Because when I talked hmm. to you, I said, well, are you talking about a TMS? And you said, no, it's really more of a freight matching, uh, not matching, excuse me, that's somebody else's word, more, more of a freight scheduling service. Um, so, I want you to maybe draw those strings together, those uh, those pillars together for me, and then uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, you know basically how you get your customers uh, sort of moving in that direction. Absolutely. So I mean, a few of us at Enride in the early days, we we had this sort of competition about working out, and we used the Strava um, working out app. And um, if you Google Strava heat map, it's basically every time you log uh, a run or a bike or a swim, uh, you populate this heat map. And um, 
we, we sort of used that as an inspiration that a way to address this underutilization of road freight today is like, if we can start by digitalizing and providing a heat map of what freight looks like today, um, we can better understand in terms of what's the utilization, how do we control the rollout of it? So with the Saga digital platform that we have, uh, you can refer to it as an operating system, really. What we can do from a strategic perspective is that we integrate freight data. And if you're a customer of ours, like, uh, you know, we have customers like General Electric or PepsiCo or AB InBev, Oatly, um, et cetera. Um, we start by just visualizing your freight footprint. Where do you produce? Where have you distribution centers, warehouses, retail notes? How much goods are being moved? And as you know, I mean, freight is, 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 is a daily fresh thing. It varies from day to day, or if you're a Lidl, Kaufland, or Schwarz Group over in Europe, what does that freight network look like? And based on that, and based on the movement of goods on a daily basis that is moving within that system, we can really get a very strong view in terms of, hey, what makes sense to electrify today? Based on the business case of electrification, where do we need charging infrastructure? Where do we need to work with connectivity infrastructure. Um, how do we plan the overall rollout in terms of electric trucks and electric autonomous trucks? So it really provides us of a view in terms of how do we envision this at scale and what's the business case and service level that plays out at scale? And how do it, how does it look medium term, short term? And in that okay. way, we can work in a much more transformative way with our customers. Yeah, let, let me ask you, you'd be okay then, and I think you used the term 280 uh, electric trucks for uh, GE over the next few years. Is that, did I get that right or not? I'm not sure. But you had talked about that you'd be okay if electric trucks came first, if you you know had a customer that wanted to get electrified, you're using BYD, we'll get to the others in, in a bit, um, but, but you'd be okay with starting there and then moving into these other uh, features, is that correct? But you don't have to come in and take everything Ednard offers right away. No, I mean, really what we prefer to do, I mean, if you look at the commercial sort of arrangements that we have with our customers, we, first of all, we have long-term contracts between three and five years. Uh, and the reason is that we provide the charging infrastructure. Uh, we get the electric trucks or the electric autonomous trucks in place. And all of that come with an investment that, that, that we're happy and our financial partners are happy to to bring on board. What we ask for in return is sort of a, a longer term commitment. Uh, and uh, and then uh, based on that, we commit to move a certain amount of goods per month or per day. Uh, and then we commit to do that in a sustainable way, in a cost efficient way. And obviously we always need to perform with good service level precision. Today we're at, I think 99.7% on time in full when it comes to our deliveries. But then we can also control when to sort of do digital and electric freight with conventional electric trucks through the partners we have, and when it makes sense to introduce the autonomous technology. Our commitment is really to move goods, you know, pallets, containers, bulk, whatever form factor it is, um, enough volume, with the service level guarantee, sustainable, 
EC turnkey. Um, and so, then we can deploy technology where the financials make sense for it. Well, you, I think the term might be uh, annual recurring revenue. I mean, if you've got the long-term sure. contract, you know, you have an ARR there that that helps you basically do some of the things we'll talk about again. I keep saying I'm going to talk about it later, and I will. But, uh, but you know, your, your financials are something we're going to get into in a moment um, because they're better, quite honestly, than a lot of folks that we have on the show right now. Um, but we'll get to that. You picked BYD as your, as your initial truck uh, uh, supplier. And I wanted to ask who else might be. I know you announced uh, this week, actually, that you've got a, a, an arrangement with uh, Packard's uh, DAF uh, trucks in Europe for something, I think, starting next year. Um, who all are you looking at? And I have to ask, because we didn't get into the bio, that you come out of Volvo, but we don't see Volvo in the list right now. <laughs> uh, we're actually very excited and humbled about sort of being founded in Sweden and sort of being part of the overall ecosystem with very successful companies like, you know, Volvo or Ericsson on the connectivity side, ABB on the robotics side. So um, I think um, we leverage from having such great companies sort of in our proximity. In terms of the current partners that we engage with and that we have announced, I mean, we pack our group correctly, uh, the Duff brand over in Europe, and we just announced that um, this week, we also work with the Daimler group. Uh, we have uh, Mercedes electric trucks uh, on uh, on the streets in Germany today. We announced that last week. We went live with Reve, one of the big grocery retail companies in in uh, in Germany. Uh, we also have a collaboration with Trayton Group um, and mainly Scania brand within that sort of group. So in the U.S., we 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 talk to the same. Um, players, you know, Trayton Group, the Pacor Group. In terms of what we have live on the streets today, uh, it's predominantly the BYD ATT Gen 3. And I mean, I think it's also publicly available information that we we put in an order for, for 200 units of, of BYDs that we're very busy just rolling out this year. So we're, we're operational now in seven states, five different customers. Uh, we've been live for 11 months and, you know, so far so good in terms of operational uptime and which translates into very good service levels to our customers. So we're happy about well, our collaboration. I think you mentioned to me, though, that, that you actually worked in the VNR uh, electric at one time. I know you were in Volvo, you were in the construction equipment area, but I thought you, you said that you had worked on electrification. So I just thought it was curious, I, you know, and it's obviously you're not going to buy from everybody all at once. Um, but all of the big players are are present in this market, the same ones that you initially worked with, uh, you know, in in Europe. Um, I, I wanted to ask you um, as we get just, to this sort of some. Of the, okay, just a quick no, just a quick comment on that. I mean, we, we we just don't want to be a customer to the OEMs. I mean, it's important for us that we can have a strategic collaboration. We we, we need to collect detailed data, you know, from the different sort of key components from an electric truck and. In order to do that, we need that sort of collaboration on a Canvas level integration to get the data that we need to power our software platform, translate that into an optimized freight plan for our customers. So we will work with everyone that, you know, provide good products and allow for that type of depth of engagement if you so want. 
you you mentioned data and some some data is more shareable than others i mean there's there's some data that's harder to get um for instance uh you know cummins i don't know if they share example for example some of their engine data that they collect um but there are obviously you know from a predictive maintenance perspective things like that some data is more available than others um is that your experience so far yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the good things with BYD. I mean, they're highly integrated in terms of um, uh, providing some of the key components. So, so we're able to 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 get that high level of integration without interacting with the tier one uh, supplier network. Um, but but hey, there are always you know good ways around that. Uh, what, what we find is that being collaborative type of tech company that are really providing good services out there to the shippers and good job opportunities for 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 carrier partners and drivers to experience this fantastic fantastic technology as it is to operate an electric truck or an electric autonomous truck i mean it's it's a, it's exciting in terms of the job opportunities also on the driver side of things so we find it actually quite straightforward in order to to get the data that we need and if, talking with the OEMs we're, we're a very good complement we don't look at this so much from a component and predictive maintenance perspective we look at how key components perform in an operational setting uh, I mean is it cold outside what's the inclination what's the weight how does that impact the different components and how can we use that data in order to be more accurate and granular in terms of doing good operational planning for our customers. We also have some patents in terms of using that data in a way that we, you know, reduce the stress level on the battery pack, et cetera. We want to extend the lifetime as much as possible and operate our vehicles in a very, you know, fragile way. One of the things that I think you mentioned uh, about BYD is their range now is up to about 300 miles between charges getting into some pretty good options as far as what you can do with those. I mean, you're into full, you could be in full regional hall at that point. Uh, certainly would have plenty of range to, you know, to do repeated routes if you wanted to. Um, is that one of the reasons why BYD is your early choice? It, it's actually uh, very exciting to see how if you, the, the, the difference of sort of operating an electric truck, if you're heavy on the foot versus if you're driving that in a careful way. It's much easier to sort of uh, steer that when you have an autonomous vehicle, then it's more, you know, ones and zeros, and you can really operate the overall system in a way that you reduce the energy consumption and you extend the lifetime on critical components like batteries and sort of the overall drivetrain. Um, in terms of the range, we, we actually, we don't really feel like the use cases that we have today with the customers we work with that we're constrained on on range. Predominantly, we work with regional haulage. We only have day caps right now. We do hub and spoke where we find that our software can do a very sort of exhaustive and efficient plan uh, to make sure that we that we that we perform in a good way within that sort of hub and spoke network. And then it's a matter of tying in the vehicle range to the charge planning and the charging strategy. Uh, and if you do that in a good way, we're able to get a very good operational uptime, which again is translated into a cost-efficient 
electric freight service. So we're happy with the range that we get. Um, we also have technology that encourage our drivers to really drive in an optimum way to make sure that we can also extend the lifetime on some critical components. Sure. Drivers, I just thought of this. Are those your drivers as well? Well, you know, those that are not involved in teleops, but yeah, does drivers come with your package? Is that right? Yeah, we have CDL drivers um, on our books, predominantly engaged in the autonomous um, freight that we provide. Um, we collaborate with a lot of great carriers out there uh, in terms of uh, providing part of that turnkey service. So we prefer to to, to team up with parties. partners in the regions we operate. So third parties, basically, as as needed. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Nicholas, I want to finish up uh, with you, talk a little bit about finances, because I bring it up every week. The story here is a little better, I think, than sometimes, uh, but most of my guests are pretty patient with me, and I appreciate that. You have had uh, some pretty good success in a market that honestly has to be described as brutal in terms of raising money. Uh, in December, you raised $200 million, and you also got a credit facility for $300 million from, from Barclays Bank, I believe. How does this sit, uh, how does this work for you now in terms of uh, scaling and especially in your your market now here in North America? Yeah, no, I mean we, we we feel that we have a good sort of financial platform to continue to scale out our uh, services to our customers. So I don't feel like I'm constrained on the financials, and it's a very fortunate position to be in. And and honestly, I think it starts by as always, we want to provide. Uh, uh, easy to adopt uh, business models to our customers. We want to provide a good service to them. We want to give them the experience of, um, you know, the, the, the great experience of interacting with, with, with new technology, digital, electric, and autonomous. And as long as we do that in a way where we provide a good operational value and a good financial value, and obviously also, I mean, the sustainability metrics that a lot of our customers are looking for in terms of how do they decarbonize their operations? Uh, and in this case, you know, road freight, uh, carbon footprint, we're a vital sort of contributor to that in terms of uh, achieving the targets that they set forth. So as long as we can perform a good service to our customers, we're very confident that our investors and financial partners um, will continue to support. And I mean, more importantly, our customers want to continue to scale with us. And if we look at a sort of what we have under signature with great customers, it's a large amount. You know, if you translate that capacity into how many trucks we need to deploy, uh, it's in the thousands now. So we feel like the shift in the market has really happened in terms of we can see the demand. We see that the technology works and it's kind of this excellent point of no regret. Let's go for it. Electric is well, the future. Got, when you it got the, you've got the money you need to buy trucks, uh, obviously. Nicholas, thank you so much for being with us this week. This was uh, really helpful and I hope the audience enjoyed it. Uh, next week, folks, we are going to have one of our Freightways favorites, um, Thomas Healy from Hylion will be with us. Uh, Thomas has been on our air quite a bit. He's not quite on staff here, but he's been around a lot. He'll be taking us through that rather strange looking item on the screen, which is called the Carno 
technology, and he'll give us an update on what's happening in the Hypertruck ERX business that they're uh, getting started with now. So thanks very much for being here. We'll see you next week.